to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Turn there and put your finger there in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then we're going to go to Judges chapter 3. Put another hand there. And so you'll have your Bible sandwiched just like this. And then if you have an extra hand, put it in John chapter 14. And that will be our third text. Let me ask you something. How many of you have sat around a campfire when you were growing up or when you were a young child or even teenager? How many of you have gone to a slumber party or gone just to spend the night at someone's house and they said, oh, let's do something spooky? Remember those days? Oh, let's do something spooky. And they, and they, and they turn the lights out and they start telling ghost stories. You remember how quiet it got when the lights went out? You remember how thick the air got? You could almost cut the air because it was so thick. And even as you got older, you know it wasn't true when they started telling these ghost stories. But even though, even knowing that it was, that it was fake, you, you still got scared anyway. Have you been there? You, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's a scary thing, you know. Uh, it's, it's a spooky thing. How many of you have seen horror movies in your life? Come on, be honest. Raise your, raise your hand. You know, say, I want to go to the horror movie. I always said, no, I don't want to go. I'm, I'll get too scared. I'm I don't want to see a horror movie. You know, you know it's fake, but you still get scared anyway, even as an adult. I remember as a young man, y'all remember the movie The Exorcist that came out in the, in the early 70s. And uh, I was living in Lake Charles, and it was showing in Beaumont at a theater in Beaumont. So I wanted to go see it. So I drove up to, to Beaumont in a 1967 Volkswagen with no air conditioning and no radio. And I went to see The Exorcist. Well, when I got out from seeing The Exorcist, I had to drive in the dark in that old Volkswagen that wasn't too dependable all the way back to Lake Charles. And I was shaking all the way back to Lake Charles, hoping that the car wouldn't stop, hoping that, that I would make it all the way back. And I remember this, and this is crazy. I remember even thinking, maybe I should roll the windows up. <laughs> you know, like that's going to do me a lot of good, you know, and, 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 but I say, no, I can't do that because I'm going to burn up in here, you know, and I'll pass out from the heat. So even though it was at night, it was, it was still hot. So anyway, you, you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, how many of you have been uh, around or been to Halloween parties or been out trick-or-treating and you see kids dressed up as ghosts, right? As ghosts. I remember when I was in the third grade going to the old central school, which is now where the public, well, I think they shut it down, but the public library in Lafayette, right downtown near Jefferson Street, old central elementary school. And in the third grade, we had a Halloween party that year. And they turned all the lights out in the cafeteria, I'll never forget. And they had sheets hanging all over like ghosts. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember that? They'd hang sheets and they'd put fans and, they'd, and the, the sheets would move like this, okay? And then they had this one place, they had these bowls filled with grapes. And they blindfolded us and they made us stick our hands in the bowls with the grapes. And they told us they were eyeballs. Y'all remember that? Y- y- y'all ever do that? You stick your hand in there. If you want to get your kids, that'll get them. Say you're, you're grabbing the eyeballs, you know, and it's grapes. And if you really want to freak them out, eat one in front of them while they say, ooh, I'm going to eat eyeball, you know. Okay, ghost stories. How many of you have been there? You know what I'm talking about, all right? Today, in all honesty, it seems as though the world is enthralled with horror movies and books. The world has romanticized vampires. Have y'all noticed that? It's like it's cool to be a vampire. It's very romantic. This very handsome young actor. And then he goes up to this beautiful girl and he smiles and things come out and he bites her. You know, I mean, this, this isn't a good thing. They romanticized vampires. They made 
comedy of evil spirits, even turned monsters into heroes. How many of y'all remember that show on TV, The Monsters? Remember that? How many of y'all ever heard of Casper the Ghost? You know, and they turn it into into something like that. Even Christmas time, have you watched or even told the story of Scrooge? You know, Scrooge, and you have in there the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Three ghosts of Christmas. Doesn't that make Christmas just really sound good? You know, say, oh, I love Christmas. Oh, let's tell a ghost story at Christmas time. It's like, man, come on, get a grip here, okay? How many of you know what the word ghost means and where it comes from? Raise your hand if you do, because if you do, you get a washer and dryer behind door C, okay? It, it actually comes from the word ghast, ghast, G-A-S-T, from the old English word, which means spirit, okay? So the holy ghost is the holy ghast who is the holy spirit, okay? And as Christians... Listen now, church, as Christians, we also deal with a ghost, okay? But he's not a spooky ghost. He's not a fearful horror ghost. He is the holy ghost. For we believe in one true God who exists in three persons, three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and what? And the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. Three separate persons in total community with each other. We call that the Trinity. It's very, very spiritual. It's something that if you can grasp, it just really energizes you. Yet for some Christians, even Christians, it's one of the most difficult things for Christians to latch on to. We're going to see in a second in Genesis 1.26 the first reference to the Trinity in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, we see the first presence of the Trinity in reality where Jesus was being baptized by John. Remember that? And you had him in, going into the water. And when he came out of the water, you saw, it says, Scripture says, a dove came down. The Spirit of God in the form of a dove descended like a dove upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. So you had God the Son who was being baptized. You had God the Father who was speaking and saying, this is my Son whom I love and well pleased. And then you had the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, the first presence of the Trinity altogether. Now today, even in full gospel charismatic churches, even in so-called Holy Ghost churches, very seldom is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity, very seldom is the Holy Spirit spoken of, preached on, prayed to, called upon in any way. And I believe that that grieves the Holy Spirit to be left out that much, to be treated as a mere doctrine or as some vague afterthought of God. Or something to be used in convenience when we need him at some particular time in our life. So I want to kick off this series on ghost stories. A not so spooky series about the Holy Spirit. I want to kick it off by laying out a groundwork. Laying out some basis. Some basic facts about the Holy Spirit. Some not so spooky truth 
about the Holy Spirit. So hang on. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to set a basis, a groundwork to start this Sunday, and then we're going to go on for three more Sundays, and I'm going to tell you some stories from the Bible about the Holy Ghost. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, first reference, first reference to the Trinity. And then God said, let us make man in what? Our image. In whose likeness? Our likeness. And let them rule over the fish in the sea and the birds and the livestock, all the earth and creatures that move along the ground. And God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God was not talking about him in the trees or him in the animals. He was talking about him in the Son and the Holy Spirit. He was saying, let us make man in the image of the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. He was speaking to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Judges, chapter, Old Testament, chapter 3 of Judges. This is a story that not a whole lot of people are familiar with. Did you all know that Caleb had a brother? Not, not our Caleb, but in, in the Bible, Caleb had a brother. Listen to this. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served Baal and the Asherahs. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of the, Cush, uh, the, the Cushan Rishathim, whatever he pronounced that, king of Aram, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel. Is that how you pronounce that? Othniel, son of Canus, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. Look at verse 10. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. Capital S, capital S, the Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Spirit of the Lord, that word right there in Hebrew means ruach. It means air, breath, wind of God, but powerful air, powerful, miraculous power able to even move inanimate objects. It is the powerful breath. That's what that word means. But it's capital S. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Ghost of God in the Old Testament before Pentecost that came upon this young man. And he went on and he defeated the enemy and became a judge of that nation. Wow. Let's go to John chapter 14 in the New Testament. Famous passage, most of you are familiar with this. John chapter 14, we'll start in verse 15. Jesus speaking, red letters. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Ghost. If you love me, you will obey my commandments or what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. In the NIV it says counselor. That word there is Parakletos. It means an encourager, a helper, a comforter, a guide. Actually, in the King James, the word there, it says, instead of counselor, is comforter. And in the New King James, the word is used there, helper. The Parakletos. I will give you another, another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The Spirit, capital S, of truth. That word is pneuma, where we get our word pneumatic air tools, where you hook up a pneumatic air gun, 
or pneumatic drill or something hooked up to an air hose. That word pneuma is the very same as the one in the Old Testament. It means breath or wind or air that is very powerful. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But, but you know him. Listen to this. For he lives with you. Now catch this. And will be in you. Verse 25 through 27 on the same chapter. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the helper, the encourager, the comforter, the guide, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now turn with me quickly, last scripture, chapter 16, verse 5. Just turn over a couple of chapters. 16, verse 5. Listen to this. Jesus speaking again. Now I am going to him who sent me. He's telling his disciples, he's saying, I'm gone. I'll be leaving you. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor, capital C, divinity, capital C, when it's capitalized, it means divine or godly, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am gone to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much to say to you, more than you can hear. But when he, when he, the Spirit of Truth, capital S, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now listen to this. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Who is this Holy Ghost? Who is this ghost that we have as believers in Jesus Christ? And why did he come? Now listen, church. I'm going to tell you, first of all, I've got three simple points here. These aren't highly theological points. They're the basics of the whole thing of the Holy Ghost and all of this. And the first one is, he is not a Hollywood ghost. He is not a Hollywood ghost. He is a Holy Ghost. He is not something that can be fabricated to make up stories, to make people afraid, to make people show up and pay and buy theater tickets. He is a divine person. The Holy Ghost is the third person of God. How many times did you hear me read, and that's why I picked these particular passage where it said, He will this. He will guide you. He will counsel you. He will do this. We have three 
persons in the Godhead. We have God the Father, a person. God the Son, a person. And we have the Holy Ghost who is a person. He is not a Hollywood ghost. He is the Holy Ghost. The third person of the Trinity. In Acts 5, we'll read in a second that, but in Matthew 28, 19, the Lord Jesus said of the Spirit, of the Holy Ghost's deity, He said, Go ye therefore, speaking to us, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. He's linked equally with the Father and with the Son. And in Acts chapter 5, Peter is, is, is there referring to the Holy Ghost as God when he's confronting Ananias and Sapphira. And most of you have heard that story. They were holding back proceeds from the sale of their property, which is a wonderful story about tithing, by the way. But they're holding back proceeds thinking that they can fool the disciples, I guess, because they were all contributing the proceeds. And this is Peter tells them, he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To lie to the Holy Spirit. And keep back part of the price. He says you have lied not to men but to God. Speaking about the Holy Spirit right before that. Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? So he's spoken of not only as God but listen as Lord. As You know what Lord means? Lord means boss or master. Okay. In 2 Corinthians 3.17. Listen to this and what Paul says. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Listen, the Lord is the Spirit, capital S. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. Okay? Paul is saying he's God, but he's also the boss. Okay? The Holy Ghost is just as much God as the Father is God and the Son is God. They are three in one. The Holy Ghost is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you. And he is not a Hollywood ghost. He is the Holy Ghost. He is God, the person of God. He is the only ghost who is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. That's three fancy words for me. All-present all-knowing, and all-powerful because He is God. Do you know that the Holy Ghost is in creation? Genesis 1-2. Did you know that the Holy Ghost can bring life from non-life? Job 33, look it up, 33-4. Do you know that the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost who resurrected Jesus in Romans 8-11? The same, Paul said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the spirit who dwells in you and will bring life to your own mortal body. That's quote. That's what it says. Wow. Well, he's got a lot of important stuff here. Why do we always just pass him up? Why do we always just kind of, oh, yeah, that's the Holy We'll think about him. Well, you know, there's a Holy Ghost. There's a Holy Spirit somewhere in here, too. We never pray to him. We never talk about him. We never preach about him. We never think about him. We never really do other things. Maybe every now and then we call on him for convenience. Oh, my goodness gracious. 
And then when he comes in a church service and takes over and all of a sudden everybody's falling out and people are crying and people are being set free and there's a mighty work of God, we all get freaked out and run off and say, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go someplace where it's nice and quiet. You know that makes him real happy. It happens all the time. It happens all the time in churches. Y'all know what Ichabod means? Yes. Where he's gone. Where the spirit is gone. I don't want Rick, Ichabod written on my forehead. And I don't want Ichabod written on the, on the forehead of this church. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. No other ghost. No other gas. No other spirit has these qualities of being omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Although Hollywood tries to portray, Hollywood tries to portray a ghost that is all-present, all-powerful, and all-knowing, and they pop up all over the place, and they do all this kind of stuff, and it's a lie. And what they're trying to do is sell you fear and keep you from the truth of who the real Holy Ghost is. Three attributes of the personhood, the personhood of the Holy Ghost. He has an intellect. He can think. He is a real person. He thinks, okay? 1 Corinthians 2.10. But God has revealed them, these facts, to you. And he says here, he says he's revealed them through his spirit. For the spirit, listen to this, searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. God's Spirit has all knowledge, and He shares that knowledge with us if we open our hearts and our mind to Him. He has a will. He has an intellect, a mind. He has a will, just like we have. He makes decisions. When Christ returned to heaven, did you know that He placed the Holy Ghost in charge of the church? John 14 and 15. He gave the distribution of spiritual gifts to the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. This same Spirit working all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. It's the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts and says, Brother Kirk, you will have this gift of preaching. Brother Daniel, you're going to have this, preach, this gift of teaching prophetically. Brother, you're going to have a, a, a ministry of whatever. And it's the Holy Ghost who's placing it on you. It's not something that just welled up within you by accident. You just didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think it'll be nice to do this. It was the Holy Spirit who placed it on you. He has a will, and he distributes those gifts to you. He has emotions. How many of you know that you can grieve? You know what grieve means? You say, oh, did they grieve the Holy Spirit? That's not some big theological doctrine. That's not some big thing that you've got to struggle with. What do you mean by to grieve? What is grieving the Holy Spirit? Have you ever grieved? Have you ever lost a loved one? You ever been to a funeral? Have you ever been at someone's bedside that you love and you think they may pass away? Have you ever been hurt so badly by someone you love that you were just in tears and it tore you apart and cut your heart? That's what grieving means. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit because He's got emotions and He loves us. Not only does he love us, but he has the same character as God. His nature is love. It's not just he loves and can be loved. He is loves. Romans 15, 
chapter 15, verse 30. I beseech you, brothers, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive with me in your prayers for me. I love what, what Benny Hinn said about, about the, the... He wrote a famous book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And listen to what he said about the Holy Spirit. He said, His Son so loved me that He died for me. The Holy Spirit so loved me that He came and revealed the Lord Jesus to me. And the same Holy Spirit continues to love me and help me become more and more like the Lord Jesus. Isn't that powerful? The Holy Spirit's real, and He touches us, and He loves us, and we can grieve Him. He's a real person. Ephesians 4.30, Paul is speaking to the church, not to the world, and he said, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Have you ever heard of a Hollywood ghost? Have you ever heard of Casper? Have you ever heard of a character in the Munsters? Have you heard, ever heard of anything in a movie coming out of Hollywood or any place else where there is a ghost who loves people, who guides people, who is there for your good and wants to guide you and counsel you and help you and comfort you, who is hurt when you betray him, who feels let down? No. A Hollywood ghost is the kind that scares you out of your wits and makes you afraid all the way back from Beaumont to Lake Charles, afraid to keep your windows down. A Hollywood ghost is one that makes you so fearful and so paralyzed that you stay where you are and you never go into the goodness that Jesus Christ has for you. You never become God-like. You become satanic-like in that kind of ghost influence. Number two. Number two, first of all, he is not a Hollywood ghost. He is a Holy Ghost. Number two, he isn't someone to be feared. He isn't someone to be feared. Listen to this. And I will pray the Father and he will give you, we just read it, another comforter, a counselor, a helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Are you afraid of truth? Are you afraid of comfort? Are you afraid of counsel? If you are, I need to talk to you because we're going to hit you on the head. You don't want to be afraid of that, all right? It says, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remember, remembrance. Whatsoever I'd said to you, the comforter, the parakletos, means to speak cheerfully of, to encourage, to help, to be an advisor, to plead your case to be a, an advocate or a proxy on your behalf. In verse 16, Jesus calls the Holy Ghost. He says, and, I, and he and my Father will send you another. You will be sent another. That word there is A-L-L-O-S, elos, which means of equal quality. Listen, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is good because he is God. And God is good. He's good because he's God, and God is good. Have you ever heard that old saying? They used to do this years and years ago. You say, God is good. Now, you've got to say all the time. Some, some older folks here, come on. God is good all the time. Y'all catching it. Let's try it again. God is good all the time. I think y'all get this. God is good all the time. Ooh. The Holy Spirit is good. 
all the time. Yeah, yeah, y'all caught it. Y'all are fast students. I like that. Christy, good. I like that. Y'all are sharp cookies here. That's good. Listen to me. You don't have to be afraid of him because he is good. You ever heard the expression, oh, he is a good man or she is a good lady? You don't have to be afraid of someone who is good. Should I avoid or be fearful or shy away from someone who wants to comfort me, someone who wants to spend time with me in, in my time of trouble, someone wants to counsel me with the wisdom of God in my confusion, who wants to guide me when I'm lost, who wants to help me at my lowest moment? Should I be afraid of someone like that? Should I, should I take someone like that and put them up on the shelf and treat them like they're, like, like they're just this long lost relative? Or should I embrace them and say, that's who I want to hang around with? Yeah, don't be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Say, I want the Holy Ghost. I want everything the Holy Ghost has for me. I want the Holy Ghost all over me, in me, out of me, everything else. I want to be lit up because of the Holy Ghost. He's not this harsh ruler. He's not a dictator. He's not a tormentor. He's not this overpowering control freak. He's not a robot maker. He doesn't want us walking around like robots. He loves us, and he wants us open, our hearts open to him. He doesn't want us looking at him like some kind of, Caleb was telling me this movie, Paranormal Activity. I, I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. I didn't. But he doesn't want us in that mode, in that framework. He wants us seeing him for who he is, God, a good God, who is there to help us as God portrayed in the holy book, not the holly book. Okay? Just to let you know, just a quick story about the Holy Ghost and his influence and his leadership and his guiding and counseling of us. Years ago, I went to a promise keepers meeting. Big D, you were there with me. You were standing right next to me. There's 60, 70,000 men in the Astrodome. You remember that, Big D? And we were there just crying our eyes out and pouring our heart out before the Lord. You remember that, that weekend? And we were there, and it was all these men, and there's something especially powerful. Ladies, no, no offense to you, because we men need it, because we have abdicated our, our responsibility, and we needed this. And we're all there, these, these I mean, what, 60,000, 70,000 men, whatever the astronome holds. And there was a man who got up there, and he was wearing a white suit, a very famous preacher. His name is E.V. Hill. How many of you know who E.V. Hill is? E.V. Hill, one of the most famous preachers of all time. Remember that big D? And he got up there and he started telling us and preaching to us a powerful message, Holy Ghost-filled message. And we were screaming and hollering and everything else. And at the end, very end of the message, and he's this big, just robust, just, just he preaches with that kind of like T.D. Jakes type type preacher and he got up there and he said let me tell you a story and I've shared it with you before but I'm gonna tell it again he said he said there was a man who went to Africa and he said this man went to Africa and he said he wanted to see and he the, all of the reality of Africa and he was on this in one of these little tour buses and he stopped the God the the, the tour God and he says he says I want to go in and he said I want to go into the the driver, and he said, I want to go into the, the jungle and see the real jungle. And so they get their machetes out, and they are just cutting away all the shrubbery and all the bushes and everything else, and they're going deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden, this native jumps in front of him 
with this giant spear in, in, the, in, the, in the native stuff and the grass skirt and everything else. And he jumps in this big, big spear and he says, oh, my goodness, I'm a dead man. And he said, this native looks right at him with the finest Queen's English. And he says, sir, you need a guide. He said, yes, I do. Sir, you need a guide. I'll never forget it, that, if you remember that day, Big D, E.V. Hill turned around and walked off the stage after he said that. <laughs> he didn't say, gentlemen, it was nice preaching to you, nothing. He said, sir, you need a guide. Remember that, Big D? And he turned around and he walked off with that white suit, this big man, and just walked off. And we were floored. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. Church, you need a guide. And his name is Paracletus. His name is the Holy Ghost. Lastly, he isn't hard to know, to understand, or to hear from. He is not hard to know. He's not hard to understand. He's not hard to hear from. This is not rocket science. This is not some great mystery that God does not want us, that we have to strive and earn. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, 10, and 12 says, I has not seen or ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Are you following me? Through His Spirit. That's the Word of God. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might, what? Know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That we might know the things. He wants us to know the things of God. He wants us to know Him. This is not rocket science, like I said, for you to know the Holy Ghost, to understand God's Word to us. Let me explain something to you. If, if, if you know Jesus Christ, how many of you pray in the name of Jesus all the time? Yeah, raise your hand. We all do. And in the name of Jesus. And if we know the character and the person of Jesus Christ, you know the Holy Ghost. See, see this, the, the Holy Ghost is not the spirit of Marshall. You know Jesus Christ, you pray to Jesus Christ, then you know the Holy Ghost. How many of you read the Word of God on a regular basis? Come on, raise your hand. Who reads the Word of God on a regular basis? If you read the Word of God on a regular basis, then you understand the Holy Spirit. Because He is that. Okay? How many of you have ever heard from God? You say, you know, I heard from God the other day. Come on, raise your hand. We, come on now. Don't, don't be a bunch of shy and don't be liars especially. Come on. How many of you said, you know, I heard from God. I, I think I heard from God the other day. Well, who do you think that was? That was the Holy Ghost. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to you in 1 Kings 19 where, where Elijah is, is gone and, and, and God calls him and says, go into the mountain. Go and stand on the side of the mountain, Elijah. And, and three things come, right? This big rushing wind comes, right? Right? 
this earthquake comes, right? Right? But guess what really came that he heard? What? The still, small voice. It says, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And then he heard God. Listen to what Billy Graham says. I love this. There is nothing that God is that the Holy Spirit is not. All the essential aspects of the deity belong to the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is believe in Him. All we have to do is receive Him. All we have to do is love Him. All we have to do is listen to Him. All we have to do is follow Him. All we have to do is embrace the Holy Spirit. Not so spooky after all, is it? Now, this is just a basis. This is a beginning of a series. We're going to get into some actual expository stories of how the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does in your life. But I wanted all of you to understand about the person of the Holy Spirit. And in closing, I'd like to read something. I'm going to read two different things. I was raised in the Catholic Church. Went to Fatima. Went to catechism. Confirmed. My daddy was an altar boy. So I knew most of this by heart. But I'm going to read this to y'all. And I'm reading this for a specific purpose. I'm not trying to give accolades to any religion or any not. I'm trying to read this. This is what's called the Apostles' Creed. How many of you remember that? If you're Cajun and from this area, I guarantee you you've heard it. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Listen to what we memorized. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light. Remember? Very God of very God. Begotten, not made. Of one essence with the Father by whom all things were made. Who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified by Pontius Pilate, suffered and was buried, and on the third day rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. Now listen to this paragraph. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified 
Who spoke by the prophets? Capital W, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, who spoke through the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sin. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. That is called the Apostles' Creed. It's actually called the Nicene Creed because it was written in the year 325 in the city of Nicaea in the First Ecumenical Council. Now let me read something to you from... Oh, here it is. This one is called the Athanasian Creed. Athanasian, I'm sorry. Creed. That was the man's name who wrote it. Also used by the Catholic Church, but used by the Church of England. Used by Protestant churches here in the United States. Listen to the similarity. It was written 100 years later. Whosoever will be saved, if, you, if you're saved, before all things it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith, which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlasting. And this is that faith, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence for there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-equal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, and the Holy Ghost unlimited. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet, they are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there is not three uncreated, nor three inf infinites, but one uncreated, one infinite. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Ghost is almighty so the father is god the son is god and the holy ghost is god 